may I take a point of personal privilege and say thank you for the opportunity of being here with the saints at Westminster once again. A delight. I've been praying for you, praying for Pastor Kevin. And I'm glad to see that you're in church today. I know it's a holiday weekend and some of you are out to celebrate. But did you realize you came this morning to celebrate? We don't usually think of celebration when we come to church. But you know, to celebrate means that you mark something commemorative or something that is special. Yesterday we celebrated what we call the birth of independence. The Old Testament reading was from Deuteronomy that reminded us that we were founded and blessed by God's grace as a nation. And if we ever forget that, woe be unto that house that is not built upon the rock. That is not only our individual lives, but our personal lives as well as a national life. How far have we strayed? But thanks be to God, he tells us, if my people, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and heal their life. You see, the key is in God's people. We celebrate not only a nation, but we celebrate the resurrection. You know, that's the reason that we have Sunday. The early Christians changed the worship day from the Sabbath, which was on a Saturday, Friday night through Saturday, to the day of resurrection, because they wanted to celebrate what God was doing anew and afresh. And I think sometimes we as Christians have forgotten that we come to celebrate, not just celebrate communion, which is a wonderful time this morning, but to celebrate the resurrection. And there's nothing in our lives that God cannot res re resurrect. Whatever burdens you bring this morning, God is able to do exceeding abundant above all that you could ask or think according to the power that is work within us. We come to celebrate today. Celebrations have become a little bit commonplace. On Tuesday of this week is National Fried Chicken Day. <laughs> and if that's not enough, Wednesday is Strawberry Sunday Day. And next Sunday is Pecan Pie Day. So we have a lot to celebrate this week. I'm not surprised that it's all around eating. But did you come this morning to celebrate? Some come out of duty. I have work to do. I have a class to teach. And I'm so involved in all the things running mechanically that I forget the purpose for which we have gathered. You have gathered as the body of Christ. Yes, it is in a marvelous way that the Holy Spirit of God lives within his people. And not to minimize that. But there's something that when the body comes together, 
that Jesus said that when two or three are gathered in my name, there he is in the midst thereof. And we come to say, what is Jesus telling us today? Not necessarily what does the preacher say. Not necessarily what can I get out of the service. But what is God doing? What is God doing? And in a nation that is drifting further and further away from God, we can bemoan the fact, and rightfully so, but when God's people humble themselves and pray and become united in one voice to praise God from whom all blessings flow, all blessings flow, and we can deny that that does not deny the truth therewith. We come this morning to celebrate. To celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anew and afresh in our lives. Can you imagine on that first Easter morning. When the disciples were rushing. To the grave to. Do what would be normally. Common courtesies of that day. And they came back saying, he is risen. And then the response was, he is risen indeed. That's what Sunday seems to be in our lives. We come with the burdens and the problems and the trials and the tribulations and the discouragements of yesterday. Even though it might have been a glorious day of celebration, sometimes we celebrate anniversaries. Sometimes we celebrate graduations. Once in a while, we celebrate birthdays. But did you come this morning to celebrate? And some will say, well, what do I have to celebrate? We mark this as a commemorative day in our lives. That God is alive and well, and he speaks to his people. We find the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 5, which is our scripture for this morning. He's in the glory of the throne room of God. Surrounded by four living creatures. And I will not take time to explain all of these symbolic things. I'll let your pastor do that. And then there were 24 elders and surrounded by myriads of angels. And he's weeping. Sometimes we weep for the wrong reason. Jesus wept over the city. Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. But when we look beyond and see what God is really doing, I can stand in an empty grave and say, Praise be to God. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. And we sorrow not as those who have no assurance. You probably memorize that as who have no hope. Perhaps I've told you before that hope is not a wishful thinking. Hope as it's used in the scripture is a guarantee from God. The blessed guarantee from God. The Christ within us. Gives us an anchor through death. Through a grave. Through the difficulties of life. Through the disappointments therewith. 
Perhaps you've not had any of those in recent time. But oh, you know, loved ones who have lost a child, lost a beloved spouse, having been married for a funeral last week of someone who'd been married 64 years. But we look beyond that. And I look beyond the obvious for today. And I see the throne room of God. And the elder came to that apostle John and says, do not weep. Remember that John was in exile on an island called Patmos, off the coast of Turkey today. Separated from family and friends, and perhaps from most believers. Alone. And then came the revelation of Jesus Christ. And by the way, you'll notice that it's singular, not revelations, but the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's what we need today is a new revelation of Jesus Christ. To see Jesus Christ in everything about our lives. And that's going to change how I approach life. We're going to get to that change in just a moment. But let's look at four brief elements out of this first song. There are three songs that are mentioned here. There's going to be a lot of singing in glory. Martin Luther said, next to the word of God, the noble act of singing is the greatest treasure in the world. Did you believe those words you sang this morning? Sometimes it's so familiar that I just sing them automatically. The word of God touches our mind, our head. The music of God touches our spirit and our heart. It was Johann Sebastian Bach who said that all music should praise God and inspire the people. Oh, have we come a long ways in our music. Martin Luther also said, music is the most magnificent and delightful present God has given us. They're singing, and I'm going to look at the very, only the first song that's recorded here. I wish time allowed for all the other times that we could look at the three songs that are being sung. A new song, it says, new in terms of quality. The two different words that are used for new in the, in the scriptures. One is new in a point of time. And, and if you buy a car, you call it new. But it's not new. It's new in point of time to you. So I can buy a used car and call it my new car. But the second word that is used is quality. Something changes. You are a new creature. Oh, it's the old, same old looking old man, but a new creature created by God. That's quality. And that's what the song is, a song of quality. So let's look at only one song in verse 9. And they sang a new song, singing and saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. The song is about Jesus. I'm afraid there's so much of even the modern 
Christian music is about me instead of about the Lord Jesus. You are worthy. And by the way, the word worth and worship come from the same root word. Worshiping only the one that is worthy of praise and blessing and honor and glory and strength. That sevenfold blessing from the second song that they sang. He is worthy. John was weeping because he could see no one that was worthy to open the scroll. And the scroll represents history to be unfolded, written on the inside and the outside. You have to picture in your mind, not a book, but a scroll. And then it was sealed with seven seals. And so much of the remainder is the opening of those seven seals. All symbolic. And many different interpretations. And we will not begin to delve into the interpretations of that today. But we will look at the great song. You are worthy. The Lion of Judah. The rod, the root of David. The Lamb that was slain. The Lion of Judah. Comes from one reference in the Old Testament. In Genesis 49, Jacob, nearing the end of his life, brings his children together to bless them. And he comes to Judah. Says, Judah, you're like the whip of a lion. Just a pup. And the lion grows to be the king of the jungle. And I understand that the lion has no natural enemies in the jungle. Jesus has conquered. He has triumphed over the grave. And he can triumph over everything that you are facing. Trials, tribulations, temptations. Look to Jesus, who is not only the author of our salvation, but the perfecter, the finisher of our salvation. Faith is not something that we just intellectually nod our head to and say yes. Faith is action based on what God has said. And we need to come to see what is God saying. Chapters 2 and 3 of this book of Revelation gives messages to the churches that said, He that has ears, let him hear. Sunday is a day of hearing afresh the thundering of God's word into our lives. When we read the Ten Commandments a few moments ago, they're being tossed out of every visible Evidence in our society. But what is worse, they're being tossed out of every heart. Oh, we need to teach our children afresh with joy in our hearts. This is what God says. The world says one thing, but God says this. And what a joy it is to be a representative of God. He has made us a kingdom and priest. And we're delving into that just a moment. 
We've come together today to celebrate the Lion of Judah, the rod or root of David from Isaiah, that wonderful Emmanuel passage of Christmas out of David. God is connecting the past and everything that he has said and done and promised in the past is true today and through today into eternity. When we remember the birth of our nation, we forget that it was the Lord who gave us these things. We think it's by our own hands that we've accumulated wealth and we have built a civilized civilization. But it is because of the blessings of God. Oh, let us praise God from whom all blessings flow. There is the line of Judah, the root of David, but there's the lamb. 28 times in this book of Revelation, the word lamb is used. And it's not the normal word that's used for lamb. When John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he used a different word. And John, in this book and in the passage in which that Peter is restored to ministries that feed my lambs, uses a word for pet lamb, something that is special. And how special Jesus is to our lives. And we forget that. We take it for granted we take the communion just as an elongation of a service and we forget the grace of God that brings unto us the refreshment of God's power in our lives. Oh, when we come to communion today, recognize how much God loves us. The lamb that was slain. If you look at just physically, it looks a little grotesque. It has seven horns and seven eyes. And out of the seven eyes are coming seven spirits. But God is symbolizing before us the great omnipotence of God. Omnipotent, represented by the, by the horns. Omniscience, that God sees all things and knows all things, represented by the eyes and God's omnipresence. By the spirits that come out of the Lamb. Oh, that's whom we are worshiping today. Not someone that was buried a long time ago. Not a great teacher that taught us morals. Not a man who hung upon a cross. Not the Son of God. But the resurrected Lord. And we go home rejoicing in that. I may have come to the tomb with gloom in my heart. But I return knowing that Jesus is not here. He is gone before us. He was slain, and by his blood you have been ransomed or purchased. We can never get away from the atonement, the blood of Christ. As a young pastor in Massachusetts, I belonged to a consortium of ministers, and we were going to have a Good Friday service at one of the main churches in town. We were renting a building, did not have our own space. By God's grace, I was chosen to bring the message. And so we went to this mainline church. 
to prepare for the service. And we looked through the hymn book and there was no hymn that mentioned the blood of Christ. They had eliminated it completely. And it becomes so universal that any religion could have felt at home in it. Needless to say, we changed locale for the Good Friday service because singing is such an important part of our lives. Oh, I know sometimes it's hard to sing when your heart is breaking. But God dwells upon the praises of his people. Do not lose the ability to praise God in every situation. Rejoice in the Lord always. And who said that? God said that through the Apostle Paul. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it. What? Rejoice in the Lord. Oh, Jesus was slain for you. And if you had been the only person to have received that word, he still would have died on the cross. He fulfilled all of those promises in the Old Testament. Sometimes we get so tied up in the book of Leviticus, we kind of skip over it. All the different sacrifices. And there were reasons for that. But each one was to bring out one particular evidence of God's grace. And Jesus has fulfilled all of those. That's the reason we don't have to have all of those sacrifices, but we do <coughs> celebrate the communion once again. The scripture says it's often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remembrance is not just thinking of the past, but is bringing the past to bear on the present that we may live for the future. Oh, what a glory we have today, not only to meet on a celebration weekend, not only to meet on a celebration day, but to celebrate communion. Because you were ransomed or purchased. You are that valuable to God. Silver and gold are not needed in that kind of purchase. It is only the precious blood of Christ. For you ransomed or purchased people for God. We don't realize that those that are not in Christ are held captive by the prince of this world. Are we praying for those people? Do you work in a situation in which you're the only Christian and you wish you could have a job in the church? Let me tell you, the evil one is at work in the church as well. Pray for your pastor. Pray that he may be sensitive to what God is doing first in his own life before he presents it to the congregation. I've seen too many pastors burn out, we call it. But do you realize that only one of ten pastors that begin in the ministry retire in the ministry? 
nine-tenths are lost. And I think one of the major reasons is because they don't listen to God. They listen to their people. And that's called compassion, and that's called for. They listen to all the things that are happening around them and the discouragements they're with. But they forget to listen to God. How fresh are your devotions each day? Do we spend time with God? Oh, I know you're going to say, well, he's a pastor. He's paid to do that. He has lots of time. He doesn't have anything else to do. I worked as an engineer for a number of years before becoming a pastor. And I can tell you the labors of your pastor is harder than anything in the world. Because if the evil one can bring down a leader of grace, he has defeated the faith in a lot of people because they put their faith in the preacher. Oh, we're not doing that. We're putting our faith in Jesus Christ. He is the one that has redeemed us. Ransomed us, paid the price. You were captive. And Jesus paid the price. Sin has kept us captive. And we come to celebrate that freedom, not only on the July the fourth weekend, but the freedom that God has redeemed us. He has resurrected us. And He will reward us. Not by the things that we have done but because of Jesus Christ. And that's from every tribe and language and people and every nation. What a missionary imperative that is. That we look beyond ourselves. We look at a fallen world around us. Some within your own families. Some that we send to foreign places we call them missionaries. I stopped calling the missionaries a long time ago. I call them a missioner. As I called you a missioner. You have a mission from God. You are redeemed for God. And if that singular purpose had been to go to heaven, what do you think would have happened to you the moment you believed in Christ? You'd have gone to heaven. But God has made you a kingdom and priest for God. So you have a rich purpose going into the world this week. Richer than being president of the United States or being a senator. They don't represent people. You go out to represent God. And you've been made a kingdom. Other places... John calls us kings and priests unto God. But I like the word kingdom. Because the kingdom is not meat and drink, says the Apostle Paul. It is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You go out there to be a kingdom. To shine a light where there is nothing but darkness. To be salt and yeast in a fallen world. What a great tale. You own a mission. You're a missioner. 
And we have missionaries that go off to Mexico or to Africa or to South America. They recognize that they are on a mission. But I'm afraid that sometimes we who sit in pews and sit in pastor seats forget that we are on a mission for God because we are a priest. Now, we as Protestants don't like that word priest. I don't like it to begin with. But God likes it. A priest is simply a bridge between God and man. The French have a little bit closer idea of that. If you ever been to Montreal, you'll see the word pont, P-O-N-T. The word pontifical, pontiff, comes from that. But it means a bridge. And you are a bridge and someone needs to walk on you this week. That's what bridges are for. To travel upon. Sometimes it's a heavy truck. Heavy burdens of life. Come on. I'm a bridge to God. Sometimes it's joy. You celebrate the birth of a child. You celebrate an anniversary. You celebrate another birthday. You celebrate the building of a new organ. We celebrate communion. Oh, what joy that brings to our hearts. Don't miss the joy of the Lord, for it is your strength. Singing, John, weep no more. You may sorrow, but not as those who have no assurance of God. Look to the throne of God, and you will see myriads of angels. And all of creation. The second song is a song of the angels. This first song is a song of the elders. And then the third song is all of creation is praising God. Don't miss out on the joy of the Lord today. Proverbs says, a happy heart makes a face cheerful. An anxious heart weighs a man down. And a cheerful heart has a continual feast. And we come today to the feast that the Lord Jesus gave to us. We call it communion. Have we forgotten what the word communion really means? It means at one with. One with this Lord Jesus, the slain lamb who is omnipotent, who is omniscient, who is omnipresent in our lives. What a joy to sing and to praise God for that. Our closing hymn today is going to be Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. There's six verses in the hymn book, but the original song had 18 verses. You can imagine the groans if we were to sing all 18 verses. Charles Wesley wrote that on the first anniversary of his becoming a believer in Christ. Oh, he'd been raised in a nominally Christian church and he'd been on missionary work and he was on his way back on a ship and he met a Moravian, one named Count Zinzendorf. If you've never read his biography, do so this summer. 
oh, the Christian biographies are some of the greatest works that there are. And when's the last time you read a Christian biography? I wouldn't even ask them the last time you read anything. I don't want to step on too many toes. I mean, I'd ever be invited back again. But God has made us a kingdom. God has made us to be priests. And there's a future in which we will reign on the earth. That we'll be part of what God is doing. That doesn't mean that we become despots. That means that we become partners with God. That's what communion is. Becoming a partner with God. Let us prepare our hearts. That we might receive and celebrate. Not only July the 4th weekend. Celebrate not only Resurrection Day, but celebrate the risen Christ that is part of our lives. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we fall so far short in being all that you have asked us to be. We forget that we are on a mission. We forget who you are because we sense so keenly who we are. We confess that we need you this day as never before. So bless your people. Bless the reading of your word afresh. The recitation of the great creed. The singing of our hymns and the receiving and celebration, the communion of our Lord Jesus. This we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.